All right, Tosai. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's go. Today's daf. We are learning tests on the base. We're at 9B. We're actually picking up from the bottom of 9A. Three lines up from the bottom. I would compliment the salsa, but I don't want to offend Chaim, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. But if I were to say it's delicious, it's delicious. All right. So let's say so let's uh, so let's begin. So three three lines up from the bottom. Daberna el remember again the, how, what topic are we in over here? So remember one of the interesting machloks we ended off with last week was the discussion about Chipazon, right? About really Kriyashma of nighttime. So again, do we learn our Kriyashma of nighttime from the comparison ultimately again to Yitzias Mitzrayim? Do we learn it from Karim Pesach? Okay, so now once we got into kind of the discussion about Egypt, the Gemara goes right. The Gemara says, Speaking to the, uh, into the ears of the people. So let's just remember again, this is a Kodesh Parachal telling Moshe Rabbeinu to tell Klal Yisrael that they have to tell the Egyptians to give them stuff, to give them stuff, no, the word no is a request. Listen to this. I'm asking of you. So listen to this. Hashem is saying to Moshe, Moshe, I have a favor to ask of you. Please ask the Jewish people to go and to ask from the Egyptians gold and silver. I'm asking, go and tell them to ask. Shaloyomar, on the days, 9b, Shaloyomar, O Satzadik, Ve'evdu, Ve'inuo, Sam Kiem Bohem, Ba'acharechen, Yerzibir, Choshkodolo, Kiem Bohem. Now remember again, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu foreshadows Egyptian servitude to Avram Avinu. So remember, what does he say? He tells Avram that your children are going to be strangers in a strange land. They're going to be afflicted. But after their duration of slavery, they're going to go out with great wealth. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Avram, Klal Yisrael is about to go out. I don't want Avram Avinu. It's incredible. I don't want, I don't want Avram Avinu to have any tightness. I don't want him to have any claims against me. That he's going to say, here, God, you know, you fulfilled the first part of the Pasuk, that the Egyptians afflicted them for 400 years, and they're going out penniless. So I don't want, I don't want Avram to be brightest with me. So therefore, again, Hashem tells Moshe to tell the Jewish people, go and tell them to go ahead and ask for gold and silver from the Egyptians. So the Gemara says, listen to this, Amrlo, this is incredible. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, the truth is, we could skip the gold and silver. We could skip the gold and silver. Halavai, we should just be able to go ahead and go out. Right? Halavai, should just be able to go out. Right? It's okay, we don't need the gold and silver. So he gives a mashal. Mashal adam shahaya chavusha beisasurim. This is compared to a person who was incarcerated. V'hayu omrim lo b'nei adam motzien oscha l'machar beisasurim v'nosin l'cham mamon harbei. So imagine the following situation. A person is incarcerated. A person is incarcerated. You know, and I, I just, you know, it's amazing. Just like because of like contemporary events, like things that we talk about take on just such a, such a different relevance. We talk about people incarcerated, held hostage. I don't know if you saw the IDF released two, two videos um, from one of the hospitals that they, that they just uh, took over. Not Shifa. It was another, like a children's hospital, I think it was. And they took video footage from the basement of the hospital. And at the basement of the hospital, you could see they built, that's where they were holding the hostages. And they said, the riot was like, there are room, like there's like a living room built there. There are bathrooms built there. And like the, the officer who was there was like, why is this in a hospital basement? Besides the fact that they found the cache of arms and everything like that. You know, just, it's just incredible. It's sometimes like you take a step back and you think to yourself like, are we actually living in this time? Are we actually living in this time where 240 Jews 
are being held captive, 240 Jews, and somehow no one, the right there, no, no one could intervene, no one could help. But the truth is, like, the, it, the tragic piece, which I think weighs so heavily, like, real, the reality is, just no one cares. Just no one cares. No one cares. It's like the most overwhelming thing to be like, to feel like no one cares. But, Kosh Baruch who cares? That, that, that's what matters most. It doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter what Basar Vadam, what any human being cares or doesn't care about. The Malach Machayam Lochem, the King of Kings, cares. And as long as he cares, we know that at the end of the day, Mirat Hashem, Cloud Lisol will be successful. So the Gemara says over here, Go tell the people that they should go and get the gold and the silver from the Egyptians. Moshe says, God, they just want to get out. I don't think they worry about gold and silver right now. He gives a mushal. A mushal is if you told a person, right, today you're incarcerated, tomorrow you're going to go free. And tomorrow when you go free, you're going to have all of these riches, all this gold and silver. What will the prisoner tell you? The prisoner tell you? I, I, I'll make you a better deal. Here's, here's the counter proposal. Just let me out now. You could keep the gold and silver. You keep the gold and silver, right? All, 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 I, all I want, all I want is my freedom and I'm willing to give up anything and everything else in order to be able to have that. So the Gemara says as follows. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu kind of responded to Hashem, but the Moshe responded, no, there's a haftacha, there's a promise. There's a promise. See, here's the difference also between HaKadosh Baruch and man, right? Wherein lies the fundamental distinction between God and man? So there are many answers to that question. But the fundamental distinction is, is the Ribono Shal Olam is Haya Hove V'yeyeh. He's past, present, and future, all rolled into one. Man is present. Man could be a little bit retrospective. Man could be a little bit prospective. But man mostly is in the here and now. So the Ribbon Shalom says they need the gold and silver. Why? Because Gosh Baruch knows what's coming down the road. There's a Mishkan to build. Right? There's a Mishkan to build. There's stuff to do. There's stuff to do. See, man, man is hyper-focused on the present. So all man sees is get me out of here now. That's it. The Shparachu, again, who's past, present, and future, understands that there are always bigger things at play going on. And that's how the Shparachu gives Moshe Rabbeinu, again, the instruction, get the gold, get the silver. Vayashilum, on Rabbi Ami, Malamid, Shish, Ilum, Balkarcham. It's interesting. So I will say, so it's interesting, you know, the, the, the Lashon of the Pasek, the Lashon of the Pasek, by Kalal Yisrael, is... Shmuel, that's excellent, by the way. I can't, I'm sorry. I, it's, it's excellent. I'm sorry. Right? So, let's say, so, so, right? so, <laughs> so, nice, so, nice, so, 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 That's that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. <laughs> in all of my years, I have never seen such passion regarding seltzer. This I've I've seen Patrick on a lot of stuff. So I never thought seltzer would be like the. Uh... <laughs> it's provisional, by the way. It's provisional. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a three month provisional. So the Gemara says like this: Vayashilum is interesting. So the Torah, when it records the Egyptians giving the money to the Jewish people, it used Lashon Vayashim. Vayashim literally means they lent them. They lent them the money. So what does this mean? It means they gave it to them against their will. So against whose will? So some say it was against the will of the Egyptians, that the Egyptians gave up their wealth, but it was begrudgingly. They didn't want to have to, but they did it anyway. Others say the Jews didn't want it. It's interesting. That this opinion was the Jews we're not interested in the wealth of Egypt. What are the Jews? This goes back to what we said. What, what do the Jews want? They want it out. Just get me out of here. But the Egyptians like foisted 
the wealth upon them. Man d'amr ba'al karchom de Mitzrayim, the one who says it was against all the Egyptians, the chsev, v'novaz ba'is techalik shalal, man d'amr ba'al karchom de Yisrael mishum masoy. Fine. So again, interestingly enough, the, the, it's fascinating that Klali's coin to Pina says it was against the will of Klali Yisrael, is Klali Yisrael didn't want to have to carry more stuff. They don't have to schlep more stuff. Right? They just wanted to get out. And anything that would have weighed them down from getting out, they just simply weren't interested in. Incredible. Vainatzlu etz Misraim. So what's Vainatzlu etz Misraim? Literally means like they despoiled Egypt. Right? Egypt was empty. They made it like a trap without grain. In other words, we'll say, you know, when you want to trap an animal, uh, whatever you know, the rashes, when you want to trap an animal, you put like a little bit of grain inside of the trap to attract the animal. There was, after the Jewish people left, they took all of the wealth of Egypt with them. There was nothing left, not even like a little bit of grain left in a trap. That, that's how much they cleaned out Egypt. Or Rish Lakish says they made it like the depths of the water. Just like the deepest parts of the water doesn't have fish, or at least again, I guess, in certain bodies of water. So, so too, again, they made Egypt like the depths devoid of fish. It's the different imageries, but it's the same idea that when they left Egypt, they left with all of the wealth of Egypt. They took all of the wealth with them. So, so remember again, so now we're going a little out of chronological order because this area is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu first introduces himself to Moshe Rabbeinu by the burning bush, right? And he conscripts Moshe Rabbeinu into the service of Klav Yisrael. And ultimately, again, Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, what's your name, right? Who should, when I go to Klav Yisrael, who, who should I tell them is calling, right? Who, who should I tell them is the one who is redeeming them? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Eya Asher Eya. I will be who I will be. That's, that's, the, that, that's, that's my calling card. So the Gemara says, Excuse me, Emer Lahem. So Emer Lahem, the Yisrael, Ani Hayisi Imochem Beshibod Zeh, Vani Eya Imochem Beshibod Malchus. So Ereshayah means, Cheshbarach saying to Moshe, Yisrael, I was with them in Egypt, and I will be with them in every time of persecution as well. Tell them that message. So it's incredible. Amr Lafana Ribono Shal Olam, Daya Litzara Beshaita. Cheshbarach says to Moshe, and Moshe says to Hashem, Ribono Shal Olam, I don't think that's the right message, right? And it sounds great. I was with you in the suffering of Egypt, and I will be with you in all future suffering as well. Now, the problem with that statement is what? It presupposes that what? There's future suffering. So Moshe Rabbeinu says that might not be the best thing to tell them now, right? In other words, that, that they're just, you're saying, you know, like, like, like in life, in life, every, every thinking person knows that there are many moments of adversity ahead of me. That's just the way of life. But it's also not, sometimes in the midst of adversity, I just need to think about the light at the end of the tunnel. I can't think about the adversity that's going to come after the light at the end of the tunnel. So, so here, HaKadosh Baruch is trying to give them a message of chizek. You know, I'll be with you every single step of the way. But the way he frames it is, I'll be with you in every adversity. And Moshe says, I don't know, don't say that. So it's interesting, their relationship, right? Moshe says, Kosh Baruch, I found, well, why, don't, why don't you just, maybe you mean to say it like this, right? And it's like, like reframing the words of HaKadosh Baruch a little bit, so I'll be better received from Klal Yisrael. you're right. Leich emar lahem, shalachani aleichem. Just give them the message, eyeh. I will be sent, sent me to you, sent me to you. So in other words, whereas Kosh Baruch originally said, eyeh asher eyeh, I will be that I will be. So the first day I was, I was with you in Egypt, and second day I'll be with you in the future. He just changes it to Eya. I am the God who was with you in Egypt, and now I am the God who is taking you out. So interestingly enough, the Rebono Shalolam revised his message 
based on the feedback of Moshe Rabbeinu. We'll say, what's the tremendous Moshe Haskell at? The tremendous Moshe Haskell is to be open to constructive criticism. No one likes it. No one appreciates it. No one wants it. Most of us deflect it, right? But at the end of the day, sometimes other people do have good things to tell us. And sometimes, again, if I'm just willing to listen, I don't have to necessarily agree, but just willing to listen with an open mind, sometimes other people have wisdom. And sometimes other people could point me in a different direction. And I could really, I could do things better. That's Kishbarah didn't know this. Kishbarah didn't know this. He, did, he, he didn't know what to say, what not to say. The Rebbe knows what's in the heart of every single person. See, he doesn't know the right message to say to Kalali. So it's a setup. It's a setup. Right? Kishbarah is enabling Moshe to have this interaction to teach us a lesson. Kishbarah says, I am open to critique. I am open to constructive criticism. If a Baruch Hu is open to a Kivyachol, we have to be open to it as well. Incredible. Anini Hashem Anini. It's supposed to be a totally different story. This is actually a great story. This is the story of Eliyahu Hanavi and Nevi Habal. So remember again, in, in, by Eliyahu, Prophet Elijah, Eliyahu Hanavi, one of the big Avodazaras during the times of Eliyahu Hanavi was Baal. Right? Baal was an Avodah, an idolatry. So Eliyahu Hanavi says, enough, enough is enough. He challenges them to a theological showdown. What was the theological show that it took place on Hara Carmel, Mount Carmel, in Haifa, in Haifa, Mount Carmel. And what was, the, what was the challenge? The challenge was like this. You, you Baal guys, you're, and, and you're going to set up an altar, put on there an ox, right? Slaughter it, put it on there. I'm going to have an altar, slaughter an ox. And whoever could bring down a fire from heaven first, that's the one who is the true God. Everybody, everybody's assembled, popcorn, you know, everything, everybody's ready, everybody's ready for this, seltzer, every, every, sorry, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, it's not nice, it's not nice already, right, so, 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 so now, so now, so now everybody's assembled, everybody's assembled, and now, this is, this is the big showdown, this is the big showdown, so, I just want to point out, it's not a topic, that story itself is like rife with so many peculiarities, Eliyahu Novi Shechting a carbon outside of the precincts, of the Mishkan, not a lot. Okay, whatever. We'll, 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 leave, we'll leave that on the side. But the point over is, what does Ilyanavi say? He says, Anini Hashem Anini. Answer me, Hashem. Answer me. So, Kwabi's question is, Amr Rabbi Abba, Lama Amr Elio Anini Beis Pamim. Why did Ilyanavi say Anini twice? Why twice? Why not just say Anini once? This is beautiful. Amalame Shomer Elio Athenachas Baruch Hu. Bon Shalom. Anini Shetereit Ishmenashayim Vetochal Kola Sher Allah Mizbeach. Number one, answer me, Hashem, and allow the fire to come down. That's number one. Answer me that the fire will come down and consume the carbon. And I said, this is incredible. And, help, and answer me in that don't allow the people to think that I employed some type of sorcery or witchcraft you know, in order to go ahead and get the fire down. So isn't this incredible? So Eliyahu has davened for two things. Number one, bring the fire down. Number two, number two, so let me go. Please, Hashem, don't let them think that the fire is some type of sorcery. Which Shabbos said, also, like, these Gemaras are so profound because it's such an insight into what's human nature. Human nature is that, that we create our own constructs of reality. Right? And the, and, and, what I do is I make, it's interesting, I make the world fit into my reality, right? So I've created the reality and now the world needs to fit. I'll give you the muscle to this. The Shem Shunafal Hirsch brings down, he says, why is it that the Jewish people built the golden calf? 
Right? It's the strangest story in the entire Chumash. Here, they're by Mount Sinai. They just heard from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why are they building a golden calf? Rav Shashua says something, he says, very simple. They wanted immorality. They wanted immorality. But, but nobody wants to live on the wrong side of the law. So instead, what did they do? They built a new religion. Right? It's called golden calf religion. Right? And golden calf religion has a lot of rules. Right? You can't steal. You can't murder. The one thing that golden calf allows for is sexual promiscuity. That's not my rules against the golden calf. You know, like, whatever. I'm just, it's, I'm part of the system. So, in other words, Rav says, you know what, this is Avodah Zarah and Avodah Hashem. What's the difference between Yiddishkeit and Avodah Zarah? He says, in Yiddishkeit, we make ourselves in God's image. Avodah Zarah is, we make God, we make, we make God in our image. Right? In other words, so do you create a reality and then force everything into that reality, whether or not it's correct? Or, or do you allow your reality to be shaped by the actual truths around you? Again, also very pertinent for the times in which we are living. We see this, right? The world, the world operates with the truth. The truth is, their truth is, Israel's the aggressor. Israel's the aggressor. It doesn't matter what you say. This is why, like, a lot of times, like, these conversations, their exercise is in futility. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because if you're bent on your truth, this is my truth. They, Israel, bad. IDF murders, bad, bad. That, that's your truth. And, and you're unwilling to absorb any other information that nothing has the ability to change us. Isn't it incredible? It's not enough for to bring down a fire. Because if the people want to be convinced themselves that Baal is right, then what are they going to say about Eliyahu's fire? Ah, it was magic. It was magic. It, was, it, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. See, Eliyahu has diving for two things. Anini, bring down the fire. And number two, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, don't let them think that it's some type of sorcery. Incredible. So let's just do the Mishnah, and then we'll start for tonight. Mishnah. Okay, so what's so the first Mishnah spoke about nighttime Shema. The second Mishnah speaks about daytime Shema. From what point can you begin to say morning Shema? Mishiyakir ben Tchilas Lava. We can tell the difference between Tchilas, which is blue, and Lavan, when there's enough light to be able to understand Tchelis and Lavan. Rabbi Loza Omer ben Tchelis Lakarsi. Rabbi Loza says, no, it's between blue and green. Rabbi Loza, obviously, right, blue and green are much more similar. So you need more light to understand blue and green than blue and white. Again, we'll talk about this in the Gemara. The Gomra, when do you have to finish Shema by? Until sunrise. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, at Shalosh Shaos, you have until three hours. Shekin Derech Melachim La'amal B'Shalosh Shaos, because it is the way of, of royalty to get up three hours a day. Remember again, we'll say the morning Shema is framed how? The morning Shema is Ubikumecha, when you get up. So even though most people wake up early, royalty sleeps late. Royalty doesn't have anywhere to go. It's interesting, we'll say, how, how, ro- ro- when does royalty sleep too? Right? Three hours into the day. It's, you know, it's interesting. That was royalty, right? Everyone else, everyone else, like, had work to do, right? There's, there's like a mission. You have to be a mission-driven person. Mission-driven people don't sleep late. Mission-driven people have to get up. There has to do. There's always something to accomplish. Royalty, okay. They have other people to work, so they don't have to work as hard. But Lamaist says, so royalty gets up up until three hours into the day, so that's still called ubikumecha. Hakori mikan ve'elech. If you reach Shema after three hours into the day, lo hifsid, you haven't lost anything. Rather, you are like ke'adam akarvatras, like you're reading psukim. So, we'll say, so therefore, what comes out of this Mishnah is as follows. Start time for Shema. Machlokas. We know that it's, it's at a time when there's enough light to see the difference between two things. Is it blue and white or blue and green? That's a machlokas. When can you say Shema until three hours into the day? And by that, that's Talach Lamaisa. Three hours into the day. Why three hours into the day? Because royalty would sleep up until three hours into the day, and therefore it's called Ubikumecha at a time that people get up. What happens if you miss, miss Zman Piyashma? You reach Shema after three hours into the day. What's the halacha? You have not fulfilled the mitzvah 
but it's like reading a Pasuk in the Torah, which is beautiful, which is good. It's like learning. It's like learning. So you get the mitzvah of learning, but you don't get the mitzvah of Kriyashma. I will say, Shkoyach. When the pages get a little bit shorter, Mirza Hashem, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get back to doing an Amr tonight. But uh, I feel like it's better not to rush. And just, uh...